contracts, salary caps. Why do our favorite teams make some of the moves they do? It's usually the money. It's time for the business of sports with Andrew Brandt. Welcome back, boys and girls, to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. We're presented by BetOnline.ag. It's your online sportsbook experts. They're the exclusive partner of Podcast One Sportsnet. You can use the promo code Podcast One to get a fifty percent sign-up bonus today at BetOnline.ag. First thing, let's do a rant of the week, and that involves much ado about Antonio Brown. A lot of things around him, the latest being that he didn't miss last week's game, the final game, it turns out, for the Pittsburgh Steelers this season. Due to injury, he missed it due to conduct or misconduct or throwing the ball at a teammate or getting upset. Now there's all this noise around Antonio Brown, and he's a, he's a cancer in the locker room. He's trouble. Ryan Clark of ESPN saying it's time for him to get out of there. They're, they're subtweeting, chatting, whatever, Instagramming back and forth. This has become a mess. You know, we talked about Le'Veon Bell with the Steelers for so long. Now we're talking about Antonio Brown. A little surprised because, to me, Mike Tomlin seems like a taskmaster, seems stern, seems to inspire discipline, but it doesn't seem to be happening. So now there's talk about Antonio Brown. Okay, this is where I come in with the rant. He's not going anywhere. I know, yes, he's they got to get rid of him and all that, but he's not going anywhere. And part of it is his exhilarating play and his abilities. But the real thing to me is the cap. This is a structured contract. The way the Steelers do these contracts with these huge bonuses, they bonus out the contract. And that's really the only guaranteed money. So all the money's in the first year in terms of guarantee. But it leaves huge dead money charges if somehow, some way, things go south with the player. And that's what appears to be happening. So you can't do it. Here's the thing, and I tweeted this out. If Antonio Brown's on the team, on the team, his cap number's like $22 million. If Antonio Brown is off the team, not on the roster, through cut or trade, it's $21 million. $21 million. Now, I know there's no cash in that. You don't have to pay him his $15 million. You don't have to pay him next year. But come on. They are not going to get rid of a player that's going to cost them $21 million on the cap. And I don't care that you can somehow cut him after June 1 and, and put it on the cap, part of it on the cap for 2020. It's the same thing. It's still $22 million, $21 million of dead money. You just don't do that. When you make a contract like you did with Antonio Brown, you are stuck with it. You are stuck with it. I mean, that is really where this thing is. You make your bed, you sleep in it. Now... If he's traded, I'll eat my words, and he must be a much bigger cancer than I could ever think of to take on a $21 million hit on the cap. Understand what that is. If the cap is $180 million, it's now less than 160 for the Steelers, and they lost their best receiver. And there's going to be dead money for other charges too. So they're going to be playing with much less than a full deck and without their best player. So if you think that's a good idea, and if he is so much trouble to get rid of him, okay, you can think they're going to trade him. But I'm here to tell you, Antonio Brown is not going anywhere. Anywhere. And the primary reasons are twofold. Obviously, his exhilarating play on the field, but his cap. And it's not cash. I understand they'll get out from some under some cash, but come on. Franchises are worth $2 billion. They don't worry about $15 million of cash. 
they worry more, I would think, about putting a roster together with a $21 million hole for a player that's not going to be there. And I just think that's a reason why you are not going to see Antonio Brown go anywhere. And this maelstrom, this firestorm here in the first week of the year is going to be long forgotten, probably in a week, but certainly by off-season training camp, by off-season workouts in April, by camp in June. You know, it's not going to happen. He's not, not getting traded. That's just my opinion, but I think it's an informed one, knowing what's going on with the cap. They don't want that kind of hole on their cap. $21 million for a player that's going to be off the roster. Not happening. Now, word from LinkedIn Solutions. This is the way to find the right hire for your business. It makes a huge impact. You've done it the job board way, but this is better. This is the place where you can go to make connections, grow people grow in their career, discover job opportunities. LinkedIn. Most LinkedIn members have not visited job boards, but 9 out of 10 of them, they're open to new opportunities. So with 70% of the U.S. workforce on LinkedIn, that's the place to go. It's the best way to find the person who will help you grow your business. They're qualified. They're ready for something new. That's why new hires made every 10 seconds using LinkedIn. So hurry to LinkedIn.com slash BOS, Business with Sports. Get your 50% off your first job post. That's LinkedIn.com slash BOS. Get $50 off your first job post. LinkedIn.com slash BOS. Terms and conditions do apply. Now, guess who my guest is? You hear me every week on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast being a guest? Well, we've reversed the roles. Now on the Business of Sport Podcast with Andrew Brandt is our guest, Ross Tucker. It's the end of the season. Uh, I was looking back on the season, looking forward to the playoffs. I thought I would have my football guru friend, my weekly uh, interviewer, now become the interviewee. So without further ado... Here is on the Business of Sports podcast with Andrew Brandt, not the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Here is Ross Tucker. The business of football starts now for the rest of the year, but we cannot leave behind at least the regular season of 2018 without looking back on the game of football. And for that, there's no one else I want to bring in than my podcast colleague back and forth now, the one and only Ross Tucker. Ross, how's it feel to be on the other end of this? <laughs> it feels weird. I've been I've been asking you questions every week for years. It feels really weird. I'm like, uh, it's funny you get in a routine and you get used to. I'm the one that asks you questions, so it's, uh, it's unfamiliar, but it's okay. Um, we'll see how it goes. Ask me again at the end, maybe. But for right now, it just seems a little weird. Yeah, and I'm going to ask questions the way you ask them to me, kind of the old blank canvas thing, because you look back, we got the playoffs ahead, and we'll look forward to that. But I think looking back on the 2018 NFL season, I'm going to give you, as in Ross Tucker's words, a blank canvas. What's the, what immediately comes to mind about the season, and you can expound from there? Wow. Um you know what? I, I think one of the things that comes to mind, it's the young players, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the guys that kind of take the league by storm, whether that's Patrick Mahomes and what he's able to do with the Kansas City Chiefs or Baker Mayfield and Cleveland, Saquon Barkley with the Giants, even though they had a disappointing season. I think, you know, with every year, the stuff that, 
really jumps out to you or is noteworthy seems like it's the new stuff, right? It's, mm-hmm. you know, maybe Andrew Luck returning from health is another thing that jumps into my mind. Uh, you know, the debate over the Patriots demise and Brady and stuff. But really the first thing I thought of when I think of this season is I think of Patrick Mahomes and what he was able to do. And I think of kind of the resurgent Cleveland Browns under Baker Mayfield. It's kind of funny. You know, you wouldn't normally think Chiefs and Browns, but that's those are the two of the first things that popped into my head. Yeah, a couple of ways I want to transition from there. First of all, I think we sort of had, I say had because it's obviously changed with the two players you mentioned and several more, had a bit of a graying aging of the star quarterback position. We talked so much about Brady and Breeze and Rivers and even Aaron with, you know, getting up into the mid-30s. And I think we really didn't have that next before this year. I mean, I know you can talk about Andrew Luck when he was what he was, and you can talk about Mariota, and you can talk about some of these younger guys like Carson Wentz and Jared Goff, who now you know had this rebirth this year. But the aging of the quarterback position was, I think, not talked about enough and now we've got all this new blood in there, which is obviously a good thing for the game. Yeah, you know, from a standpoint of the business of the game, the business yeah. of football, I think you're right when you consider Tom Brady and Drew Brees and then all the guys from the 2004 draft class. Right, right. Ben Roethlisberger, Philip Rivers, Eli Manning. You know, the position in terms of franchise long-term guys that you knew would be long-term was getting old. Cause I think the jury is still out on Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota and some of these guys, but and Carson Wentz. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And his is mainly just for health reasons, but right. yeah. But now with the way Deshaun Watson played this year, right. the luck resurgence return to health, obviously Mahomes and Mayfield, who I already referenced, I think to a lesser extent, maybe Sam Darnold and Lamar Jackson and maybe even Josh Allen. I I think that there's probably a lot more optimism about the young quarterbacks. Mitchell Trubisky is a name you got to mention a lot more optimism about, you know, where they might be able to go from here. And, and maybe we've got another crop of guys that will be the guys in their cities for years to come. And on these rookies, you mentioned four of them with Lamar and Baker and Josh Allen and Sam Darnold. I'll throw Josh Rosen in there. So five first-round quarterbacks all playing at the end of the season and one, of course, into the playoffs. I have remarked a few times, even early this season, the idea of a Tyrod Taylor at $16 million or Sam Bradford at $15 million, even Josh McCown, I know he brings a lot of the things besides on the field at $10, $12 million. To me, if I'm running a team and I pick a guy in the first round, I'm not doing that. I'm not paying a $15 million placeholder because at some point early, and we saw everyone early except Lamar Jackson, they're getting in there. And you throw them in and they get their growing pains I just want your thoughts on that, because I wonder if we're going to see that going forward. I wonder if these teams are really going to invest on these $15, $16 million placeholders when they're about to turn the team over. 
Yeah, I think that's a great point because it does seem like a waste of money. You know, it's, it seems like yeah. a waste of cap space. It seems like a waste of actual dollars. And I, I certainly feel that way about the Cleveland Browns because they also gave up a pretty valuable draft pick for Tyrod right. Taylor. Now, at the time, I felt like they did that because John Dorsey felt like it was important to change the culture and that he wanted to get a quarterback in there that could help them get to 500, that could help them win some games and kind of turn around the vibe and the talking points and narrative as it relates to the Cleveland Browns. And they ended up doing that, but it was after Tyrod Taylor was out and Baker Mayfield was in. You know, it wasn't until Baker Mayfield came in that they really turned that narrative around, uh, which is why I think they were willing to give up the assets and pay the money they paid for Tyrod Taylor. Now, I think the Cardinals is a little bit different because drafting number 11, they didn't really know how it was going to play out. And if you say, you know what, we'll wait till after the draft, see how it play. Well, then it's May 1st. Who's right. still available May 1st? Now, the flip side of that would be, you know, they got Mike Glennon for $4 million. Did they really need to pay Sam Bradford 15 or 20 or whatever it was, right? So right. They really need to do that. But I do think the Browns and the Cardinals are in different situations. But you're right. From both managing the team from a cap standpoint, as well as, you know, just the cash outlay, it, it really does seem unnecessary to go ahead and and pay those guys those kind of amounts of money. Yeah, and I think, listen, we're seeing a trend. I talk about it, I ask about it all the time. You have rookies on young, uh, young quarterbacks on rookie contracts, and you can re- devote resources to other areas of the roster. You dilute those other resources with these, like I said, $15, $16 million backups. And I understand people want insurance policies, but that's not the way to go. And you look at these teams that had major spending this offseason, and I point to the Bears. The Bears are spending $75 million in payroll this year on three players not who are quarterbacks. Khalil Mack, Allen Robinson, and Kendall Fuller. So to me, you can't do that if you have a $25 million quarterback. So people are making hay, the Rams with all their spending, with golf on that deal. Eagles, all they're spending last year with Wentz on that deal. So this is a real advantage add for teams with rookie quarterbacks. And I think we're, you know, I'm belaboring the point, but you take away from that uh, ability with spending $16 million on a backup quarterback. Yep, I think you're right. And I think also, you know, a lot's been said about, you know, for the playoffs and the fact that the six highest paid quarterbacks or whatever, Not the playing, yeah. Make, yeah, they didn't make the playoffs. But I don't know. I mean, Flacco's making a lot of money as a backup. That that number is still on the Ravens roster. Right. You know, I mean, plenty of these other guys are making money. Andrew Luck makes a lot of money. Um, Philip Rivers makes a lot of money. So I, and I think that that point is probably a little bit overblown. I think I think the value of quarterbacks on rookie deals is not but i think when you look at luck and rivers and russell wilson and these guys drew Brees, i think those teams will all tell you they're more than happy to pay those guys those amounts before i leave quarterbacks i want to ask 
questions about two quarterbacks that I always get and have gotten from you. So I'm going to turn the tables. So this is where you may be a little uncomfortable because here are the two questions I always get. Uh, is Aaron Rodgers a prima donna? Is Aaron Rodgers pushing out uh, McCarthy? Is Aaron Rodgers going to be too involved in the next coach? That's all one question. And the second question is on another quarterback I'm always asked about in terms of his compensation. We just found out the five incentives that were added to Tom Brady's contract were not, I repeat, not earned. So he's back to a $15 million number this year, which I think puts him like 85th in the NFL. So your comments on each of those questions, which I get all the time, and now I can turn it over to you. So for Aaron Rodgers, you know, I don't know Aaron very well, so I don't really know the dynamic there. I do know, though, that there are enough whispers, there are enough things from Greg Jennings or other former teammates, enough people that suggest things that make you believe that there's some truth to it, you know, whether it's. Aaron Rodgers audibling too much or Aaron Rodgers, you know, not being happy and, and publicly calling out the, you know, there's belief that after they won that one game, 22, nothing that Aaron Rodgers wasn't thrilled with the game plan and kind of passively aggressively called out McCarthy for the game plan there. I, I do think that there's some truth to that. He's a very bright guy. I think he's very driven and I think he, probably knows how to play the game at times and get what he wants. And, you know, I think it's up to individuals to decide whether or not that's right or wrong or whether or not they like that or don't like that. But it certainly feels like, you know, that Aaron Rodgers, uh, I don't know if rub some people the wrong way is the right way to describe it, but, um, you know, it's, He's not without any blame. I think it's probably the best way to describe that. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking both in his performance on the field and sort of how he goes about his business. Uh, as for Brady, yeah, I've got two thoughts there. Number one, it is incredibly insulting in my mind that evidently he wanted five million more bucks. He wanted a little boost in his contract. And rather than them just giving it to him, when he's played at such a steep discount for so long, they actually made him put incentives in and then he wasn't able to get it. Like to me, that is so insulting, so ridiculous. And of course, you know, Patriots fans will say, well, you didn't have to sign it. Didn't have to do it then. Well, no, you're right. But he could have held out and he didn't want to do that. He didn't want to be that kind of guy. And this is what the Patriots offered him. So, he took it, trying to be a team guy, but he selfless than I would be, both in the compensation he's taken and even doing those incentives. I, I think that's ridiculous and uh, not not even borderline insulting, clearly insulting in my mind. And the other thing I always think about is yeah. I've never gotten a, a straight answer for this. I do know that his TB12 is involved you know, and, and does some work for the Patriots organization. And I've never really gotten a firm answer on how that affects the salary cap. I don't know. I mean, obviously it's not counted 
And I, I wonder if you've ever heard, my guess is there must be something there where you just have to prove that you're paying market rate for the, those goods and services, that it's, you know, that there's no favorable treatment. It's not like, oh, uh, Gronk got a massage over a TB12. Yeah. Here's $10 million, Tom. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's not like that. Um, but it certainly seems like he's benefited, uh, from that relationship. And I'm not really familiar or aware of other relationships like that. Yeah. I mean, again, I'm not the one answering questions here, but don't get me started about Tom Brady's compensation because every time I bring it up, I get the Patriots fans talking about the team, but there's ways he can help the team and has with cap room. Cap room is different than cash. Cap room is something every quarterback can create and players like Roethlisberger, Romo, Breeze do it all the time. Cash is different. Romo, Breeze and, and Roethlisberger are not taking less cash. Brady is. So it's one of the big mysteries in the business of football always has been. And let me be clear. The mystery is not whether Tom Brady takes less. That's a fact. The mystery is why. And I don't want to get too far down the road, so we'll leave it at that. But it is continuing mystery after I just read that he did not earn any of the five incentives added to his contract. So basically, played all year, never missed a game, and is making what he was going to make uh, before the added incentives. So to me, it's, it's a continued head-scratcher. But let's stay with the Patriots. They earned the number two seed, Ross. Was this a, a typical Patriots year? And are we sort of immune to their success? Do we expect them to be in the AFC championship just because they're the Patriots? Or is something wrong up in Beantown? Well, it's amazing because, you know, it feels like Brady didn't have a great year. And, you know, they had some poor outings, back-to-back poor outings. They lost to the Dolphins and the Steelers. And there was a lot of consternation about this Patriots team. And then you look at it, Andrew, and all they have to do is win one home playoff game, quite possibly against the Houston Texans. And then they'll be in the AFC Championship game again for the eighth straight year. That's all they have to do. And in a one-game situation, let's just say it's against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. I don't know. I wouldn't put it past them. Yeah. You know, for Brady and Belichick to find a way to to beat the Chiefs and to win that game. So, I mean, you know, I think it's very possible, despite the fact that it's been a down year for them, they haven't played as well, blah, 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 blah. It just seems very possible, again, that – they're back in the Super Bowl like they always are. And then who knows what happens in that game? You mentioned a team we have to talk about in that, divi- in that conference who's not in the playoffs. I can't believe I'm saying that. The Steelers, we talked so much about Le'Veon Bell's holdout, which shocked me week to week. You asked me every week. I was wrong every week. He never did come back. And now we have the Antonio Brown, whatever you want to call it, Imbroglio with how he's being treated around the team or how he treats teammates. seems like uh, this team is putting fun and dysfunction. Uh, Mike Tomlin seems like a stern guy. seems like a no-nonsense guy. What's going on? 
with that team in your mind? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't it, – it, it appears as if there's almost a uh, a Molotov cocktail there of personalities mm. and of egos. And I, I, I just don't think you can say, well, look, Le'Veon Bell sat out the whole year, your star running back. Your star wide receiver had a blow-up during training camp, had a couple reporters, then missed a meeting during the season – uh, and the coach said he disciplined them, had a blow up with the quarterback, didn't show up late. The quarterback on his radio show publicly, you know, ridiculed or criticized a, a couple of his teammates. I mean, I, you just don't, you know, I don't know, Andrew, how much of that makes a difference in wins and losses. I yeah. really don't. I don't know that there's any way to really quantify distractions and what that word really means and how it, I just know that some of the best coaches I played for Marty Schottenheimer, Joe Gibbs, Bill Parcells, Bill Belichick. I just know that they would despise those type of things that they believe that those type of things eat away at your chance for success. So don't take my word for it. Just take those guys words for it. That, it's unhealthy to have all those type of outside noise distractions that take away from the sole focus of trying to win the football game on Sunday. Yeah. I pointed out on Twitter with the business side, Antonio Brown's contract is structured so heavily bonus oriented. The dead money would be basically equal to his money on the team cap charge of 20 plus million dollars. So unless they're really willing to put a hole in their cap worth five, six players, He's uncuttable and untradeable. So he's back. And to me, this is now a, I don't know, a personnel issue. They're not getting rid of him. And he's too good, of course. So uh, what do you do there? He's not going anywhere. Well, it's it's interesting because I talked to Ed Bouchette of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, and he referenced, you know, the positives of it would be if they moved on from him, they wouldn't have to pay him the $12.5 million salary. They wouldn't have to pay him the $2.5 million signing bonus or roster bonus. So, yes, the cap hit would be what it is, but $15 million in cash, to your point, they yeah. wouldn't have to spend. And also, you know, he'd be off the books for the next year. You know what I mean? They, they, would, they would clear the deck with one fell swoop, move on from him, not have to worry about his antics, and not have to worry about the cap implications of him in 2020. I don't think it's going to happen. Right. I still think it's a long shot. You know, having Antonio Brown and Smith Schuster is part of what makes the Steelers unique. Right. But it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I, I just... I don't understand why certain guys, you know, end up getting to the point where they do some of the things they do. I that that's just not how I was wired. It didn't seem like Antonio Brown was wired that way earlier in his career. Yeah. But I don't know if you have different influences or you have money in it. Uh, you know, there are people that act differently. You know, once they've kind of made it and have money, and I don't know. You know, maybe just. He's so famous, so popular, so good 
that maybe it's he just thinks he can do his own thing now. I don't know. It's interesting. You sort of talked about whispers around or smoke around sort of the Aaron Rodgers rumors. This one, you know, you can take the Facebook during those Tomlin speech. You can take this thing happen. Or you can take this thing they made up with. He made up with Ross Berger that time. Or, but you're right. The, the totality of events here. It's just too much. There's too much noise around Antonio Brown for us to say everything's fine. Um, where's Le'Veon Bell play next year? Huh. That's a great question. My guess is probably the New York Jets hmm. because it just feels like a Jets move. They've got a lot of cap space. They don't have a great running back. They probably want to support their young quarterback, give him a matchup nightmare, a nice check down guy, and it would be a big splash in New York City. And I think the Jets, you know, perennially have been more prone to the big splash move than the Giants. It's just kind of more of a Jets move to make. And I don't know if I had to put a dollar on it, I'd say I'd say Jets. The uh, the coach firings, Ross. Any jump out at you? We talked. You and I talked along about McCarthy and especially the timing there. But beyond that, any of them jump out at you or any who were not fired that you thought would be? I think the two that jump out to me were two where guys were fired, and it was Adam Gase in Miami mm-hmm. and Marvin Lewis in Cincinnati. You know, I thought Marvin Lewis had a two-year deal, and I just didn't anticipate Mike Brown ever wanting to pay, you know, a coach <laughs> that, you know, wasn't on, you know, that was still under contract, right? I mean, that's... That's always kind of been his deal. I don't think he's ever done it before. So I, I just wasn't anticipating that, number one. And then the other one was Adam Gase, just because I thought Gase, you know, is a pretty highly sought-after coach. You know, people think he's a good coach. A lot of people wanted him before he went to the Dolphins. You know, I, I didn't really feel like they failed to meet expectations this year. I think their Vegas win total was six games. He won seven, even though... Tannehill got hurt again. So I guess I was a little surprised that he went, but that, that seemed like a culture issue and a, and an owner who had some players that had a direct pipeline to him and weren't happy with the coaches, which hmm. that, that feels very 2018 ish. Also <laughs> speaking of an owner that has direct pipeline to players or whoever else, uh, are you surprised Jay Gruden's remaining in Washington? I think you got to give a guy a pass one his first two quarterbacks break their legs. And, you know, they were, what, 6-2, and two, I think, yeah. when Alex Smith got hurt. I mean, that's pretty good. I mean, you know, I, I think he had this team going in a good direction. I think one of the issues, too, whether it's Jay Gruden or Jason Garrett or John Harbaugh, any of the guys that were purported to be on the hot seat this year, is that who are you going to get that's better? You know, I, I think if there were a number of really hot or intriguing candidates, I think maybe we would have or still would see more moves. But I think that they just look at it. I think that's what happened in Baltimore. They're like, wait a minute. People are lining up to get our coach. Are we sure we want to move on from him? If that if that many people would rather have our coach? I think that's partially what happened there. Yeah, but you bring up the intriguing question of the we talked about the who's next on the player side. On the coaching side. 
I think after what's happened, and I think there's a reason why there's so many firings too. the impatience they're seeing the Nagy's and the McVeigh's with their creative, sexy offenses and doing so well, people are getting impatient, but do we know, you would know a lot better than I would, who the next Nagy, Nagy and uh, McVeigh's are, you know, we're, we're seeing this group out there now and seems to be the same name circulating. Of course, Josh McDaniels, despite his reneging last year, is a hot candidate again. Um, are we, are we, do we know who those is McDaniels, the quote unquote hottest guy out there? Is there someone, you know, that's, we should be looking at? No, that's the thing. Um, and, and by the way, I don't think anybody knew that Nagy would be Nagy or that McVeigh right. would be McVeigh. You know, they're all just kind of hoping. And, you know, you look at even 2016, there were seven head coaching openings. And the only guy that still has the job from 2016 is Doug Peterson in Philadelphia. Amazing. Every other place, the guy's gotten fired, six and seven. So the track record tells you that probably at best out of these eight openings, Andrew, probably two of them you know, end up getting good coaches, 25% or so end up having coaches that work out. And by work out, I guess, I mean, you know, five years or more. So it's, it's, you know, I know fans get excited. Fans want change. Fans want, uh, the quick fix, but the reality is, you know, there's a pretty good chance that they're not going to be any better off, you know, that it's going to, they're going to be right back here a year or two years or three years from now. You know, one thing I wanted to ask you about, you've asked me about a lot, but I want to get your take on some, as we, as we wrap up here, kind of bigger picture issues with the NFL. It almost seems like it's, what's the word? Invincible, impenetrable, monolithic, can't be punctured. We complain, and I'm part of the we, on officiating, on scandals, on ridiculous amounts of time taken for uh, discipline cases, on TMZ getting taped that the NFL can't, on commissioner power, on discipline, on discipline for marijuana. I mean, just go down the list. But it is big business, and all the metrics are north. The ratings are north. The franchise values, the CBA's team-friendly. Everything's pointing north for this league. I guess I'm not really asking a question, but can anything slow down this monolith called the NFL? Yeah, it can. And it seemed like it was Colin Kaepernick and Donald Trump. You know, it seemed like those are the only two that could slow it down over the last couple of years. But for whatever reason, maybe, you know, Donald Trump not talking about it as much or Kaepernick's name not being invoked as much, or maybe just not as many players kneeling or maybe there's just fatigue from that you know like it was a big topic the first year still was a big topic the second year but i think people are just kind of tired of it they just don't feel like talking about it anymore and that's the only thing we've really seen that has had any impact on the business of the nfl it's it really is amazing to see the rebound in the ratings and um it's just a very very good business you know the attendance is going down but the TV product is just so good. Yeah. And the increased gambling, the increased fantasy football, it's just, it really is the perfect storm. Yeah, it's amazing that 
you mentioned gambling revenues. That's a whole new revenue source that we're not even talking about. And, you know, I know players are going to want their little piece of that puzzle as well. But everything is out there in terms of revenues for the NFL that maybe aren't even there for other leagues. Yet it seems like there's so much drama that people talk around the NFL. They don't the other leagues. I often say this. These other leagues wish we were complaining about them as much as we complain about the NFL. It's a great point. I've heard you say that. And I think there's some truth to that. You know, people talk negatively about the NFL all the time, ironically, yet um, it's as popular as ever, seemingly. Not quite to where it was a few years ago, but the numbers are all pointing up yet again. Yeah, and as you know, I did some Amazon commentary, and I think that's the future. I think Thursday night football is the future, meaning we have a network, Fox, we have a cable, NFL Network, and we have streaming Amazon. I think that's going to be a lot more than Thursday nights in the future. And what that means for the viewer is multiple options. What that means for the league is multiple payors, which is, again, all good for the NFL. Ross, I'm going to let you go, but I want to hear your playoff predictions. So you, uh, here we are in the eve of the playoffs, wild card round this weekend. Who do you like and why? Uh, I'm going to go Colts, Seahawks. So the two away teams on Saturday, wow. uh, on Sunday, I'll go with the two home teams. I'll go Baltimore and Chicago. Baltimore, Chicago, very similar. Great defenses, playing at home. Um, you know, and then for Saturday, I just kind of like where the Colts are at right now. I don't like the Texans O-line and Saturday night. I think it's a close game comes down to the end and I got more faith in Russell Wilson than I do in Dak Prescott. Wait, you're going against the Foles magic, are you? I, I am. I <laughs> the am. Guy is incredible. You know what? I've been, I've been so wrong so many times doing that. So, uh, I probably will be again. I think Eagles fans at this point are happy when I pick against them. <laughs> it's one of the great stories in the history of sports. This guy, he just it's there's crazy. something about him. Yeah. Well, I was at, I Andrew, was great. Thanks to, so much for having me. Yeah, I appreciate it. It was great to turn the table on you, Ross. Always a pleasure, and uh, I'll be back on your podcast soon. And thanks for being on the business of sports. Absolutely, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. You got it. Really great having Ross on the podcast. Now, word from our sponsor, BetOnline.ag. Whether you love the action in college, football, bowl games are wrapping up, NBA, NFL, or more, you can even bet on the Oscars, the Golden Globes. BetOnline.ag has it all. Sign up today for a free account, BetOnline.ag. Use the promo code PODCAST1. You get a 50% sign-up bonus today. Take advantage of Refer a Friend. You can also get a 200% bonus and up to $200. So again, go online, use your mobile phone to sign up today. Try in-game live betting where you can participate with all the action with every play. Use promo code PODCAST1 for a 50% sign-up bonus. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. And now it's time to hear from you. If you've got a question for the podcast, leave me a voicemail. I answer it on the pod, 484-416-5654, 484-416-5654. And this week's question is from Rob in Pittsburgh, not asking about Antonio Brown, but asking about a London situation. The hypothetical move of a franchise to London, uh, what are some potential complications ranging from uh, agents, registration, licensure in England, as well as uh, just the payment of players and uh, things from that standpoint that, you know, the layperson might ignore. All right, thank you. 
Thanks, Rob. Good question. I asked about the London situation often. It's even more so when we talk about teams like the Raiders not having a home next year and potentially playing in London. I, I think it's a doubtful they play there more than one game, maybe two games. It's not going to be a full season. My prediction, though, is we will have full season football in London, but without a home team. In other words, we're going to have three stadiums. My sense is we've gone to four games, maybe we'll go to five, six, seven, eight by, I don't know, the next decade sometime. And we have 16 teams going over the year, eight games. Every team plays there every other year. You make it competitively balanced. As to a team being stationed there, I know it's an opportunity, and I know we have first-class travel, and the NFL has such money. They, they charter planes and great hotels, and they can make it work. But you've got a player issue, which you mentioned, Rob, and I think the union's going to get very involved in this. If there's any chance of it going to London, how do you pay the players? Obviously, cost of living is difficult. How do you pay for housing? How do you deal with the travel? And yes, you could potentially make it work if you have a team in London, they do three-week road trips in the States, or teams uh, go over to London, have buys afterwards. But I just think logistically, we're still not there yet. And I know you can say all these things like Seattle, Miami is a further flight than London, Miami. So these are the kind of things that are going to be brought up. But it's a pay issue. It's a tax issue. It's a licensure issue. It's a housing issue. It's all kinds of issues that players and the collective agent for players being the union, are probably not going to go for. And with good reason, because these players would be a competitive disadvantage financially. If you can make them whole, if you can make the travel and competitive logistics even, go for it. But right now, listen, who's going to move to London? Now, we bring up the Jaguars, but... You know, that would be a bold statement. I know we've talked about that before, but that would be bold, really bold for that to happen. So we'll see where it goes. Uh, I think London is a pipe dream for a team right now. I don't think London's a pipe dream for a full eight-game schedule, which could happen without any dealing with players' collective issues uh, competitively or collective issues on the bargaining side. You have every team going over there every other year. You have eight games a year, 16 teams a year. You give them buys. You deal with everyone and whatever you got to deal with. That, to me, is the near-term future. Long-term, I don't know if that's 10, 20 years. Yes, a team in London. But travel will get, and all technology will be much better then, and that'll make it work. Rob, thanks for the question. A lot of stuff on Pittsburgh that I hope you enjoy the podcast in addition to hearing your question. That'll do it for this week's edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt podcast. Listen, really appreciate those that follow me on Twitter at Andrew Brandt, those that give us good ratings and comments on Apple Podcasts or wherever you hear your podcasts. My thanks to Brian Neal, our executive guru producer. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Thanks for listening to the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also get additional insider insight by listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and College Draft Podcast, all at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts are found.